0: The main business today is, of course, a discourse by Dr. Emmeline Hill, co-founder and chairman of Ecrinome, one of Ireland's most eminent genomics scientists. She leads the Equine Research Unit in, in, uh, in UCD. In 2000, Dr. Hill and Professor Cunningham published one of the first molecular genetic research studies of thoroughbreds that identified errors in the general stud book. Her publication record includes numerous articles in leading academic journals. In 2004, she received a Science Foundation Ireland President of Ireland Young Researcher Award, the most prestigious award for young researchers. However, she is perhaps best known for her work in 2009 when she published the first description of the genes that contribute to the thoroughbred athletic physique. So it is now my pleasure to call on Dr. Emmeline Hill to address the academy.
1: Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here this evening to tell you the story of the discovery of the speed gene and how um, this discovery might be used and is being used um, in the international thoroughbred horse racing and breeding industries. Humans and horses have enjoyed a long relationship dating to pre-Neolithic times when horses were hunted for um, meat and hides. Horses are a relatively recent domesticate and most evidence points to multiple domestication events for the horse, some on the Eurasian steppes about 6,000 years ago. Wild ancestors for the modern horse no longer exist, but it's thought that modern horses descend from European tarpan that would have looked something similar to these free-roaming Polish conic horses. The domestication of horses meant that people could now travel long distances and In fact, the spread of the European languages is thought to have been associated with the um, new movement of horses. Mounted armies also became extremely successful um, since they were able to travel long distances on the horses. As well as transport and warfare, horses were used as a source of power in agriculture and also for sport and for recreation. Chariot racing and racing on horseback brought wealth and status. And this quest continues today among the elite of the global thoroughbred horse racing world. Horse racing is thought to have been introduced into Britain um, uh, by the Romans in about 100 AD, but in Ireland, um, racing horses has been an integral part of our culture for millennia. It's not until about 300 years ago, though, that we first meet the thoroughbred. The thoroughbred was developed as a result of the enthusiasm for racing by the British Tudor and Stuart Kings, and it's King Charles II who's especially noted for being responsible for the import of horses from the Middle East and crossing those horses with the local running horses or the racing horses of the day. So the thoroughbred was developed by crossing imports of Arabian, Barb and Turk horses with local horses to produce the thoroughbred. Despite all these importations and the availability of um, a large number of local horses, the thoroughbred actually was developed as a, from a very small number, a remarkably small number, of foundation horses. All living thoroughbreds can trace in their paternal lineage to just three foundation stallions, and ten mares are responsible for over 70% of maternal or female lines in the thoroughbred. The three foundation stallions were imported into um, Britain in the 17th century, but their bloodlines were really established through some of their most successful progeny, and one of which was Eclipse, one of the most famous racehorses of our time. We're going to come back to him a little bit later on in the story. The General Stud Book was established in 1791 to record the pedigrees of um, these racing horses, But it wasn't until 1803 that the term thoroughbred was coined when it was declared that imports from the east were no longer making any improvements to these racing horses and therefore they were thoroughly bred, hence the term thoroughbred. The fathers of um, the thoroughbred are quite well known and their history is very well documented. The mothers, however, are not as well documented. Many historians, thoroughbred historians claim that Thoroughbred origins are purely exotic or come from, um, and that most thoroughbreds originate from horses from the Middle East. But recent DNA research has shown that, in fact, the mares were most likely British or Irish native mares. Since very little is known about the individual identities of these mares, the recording of the stud book, the recording of the pedigrees, was very difficult. And in 2002, along with Professor Cunningham, uh, we published one of the first studies using molecular genetic techniques to learn something about the thoroughbred. And what we found was that there were major errors in the early stages of the recording of the stud book and we were able to unravel where these um, errors had, uh, had occurred. So the stud book recorded pedigrees, but there's very little mention, if any mention at all, of the performance attributes of these horses. Stallions were probably included in the breeding population if they had won prestigious races. There probably wasn't as strong selection on um, the mares and this is reflected in the distribution of the breeding population today where there's about one stallion for every 45 um, breeding mares. So there's much, much greater selection um, on the stallions. This intense selection for racing success has led to a very highly adapted uh, phenotype in the horse in the thoroughbred, which includes an unusually large um, aerobic and anaerobic capacity and a very, very large muscle mass. The anatomical, physiological and metabolic contributions to um, elite racing performance are quite well known and quite well described, Um, but the genetic or the the genes and the genetic variants that contribute to these um, traits are not as well known. In humans, over 200 genes have been um, shown to contribute to um, athletic health and fitness traits. Uh, But in horses, just three genes have been recorded in the scientific literature. Up until now, the the thoroughbred industry has relied on the evaluation of pedigrees to best guess which genes may have been inherited from certain ancestors in the pedigree in that individual and by physical observation um, of the individual. This has all changed in the last five years since the horse genome was sequenced in 2007. And we now know the three billion letters of the DNA code that provide the instructions to make the horse. We can now interrogate this DNA to identify which genes are contributing to differences in racing performance within the thoroughbred. The goal of every racehorse owner, breeder, or trainer is to own, breed, or train a champion racehorse. So I um, wondered whether genetics might um, play a role in this, and whether we might be able to understand the genes that contribute to um, uh, racecourse success, and if we could, then we could provide this information to owners, breeders, and trainers to help them in their decision-making. All living animals uh, contain billions or are made up of billions and trillions of cells and inside each cell is the nucleus which is the house for the genetic material. In the horse, the genetic material is packaged into 32 pairs of chromosomes, one inherited from the mother, one inherited from the father, and this complete complement of genetic material is known as the genome. A chromosome essentially is a long linear molecule of DNA and along the chromosome are the genes that are distributed like beads on a string. The DNA code can be read or deciphered by looking at the sequence of the letters G, A, T, and C, which represent the chemical bases that make up the DNA. About eight years ago, we became interested in a gene called myostatin because um, it had been shown in a variety of other mammalian species that myostatin is a negative regular Negative regulator of muscle development, and that mutations or changes in um, the DNA code within the myostatin gene caused unusual muscling characteristics in a number of species. This is a Belgian Blue bull. Oops. This is a Belgian Blue bull with what's known as a double muscling um, uh, phenotype. He looks like that with this really unusual muscling because he has two copies of a mutation in his myostatin gene, one inherited from his mother, one inherited from his father. The dog in the middle, believe it or not, is a whippet racing dog. This dog is known as a bully whippet. And he looks like that because he has two copies of a mutation in his myostatin gene, one inherited from his mother, one inherited from his father. And this is actually detrimental to racing performance because he has too much muscle bulk. But dogs that have one copy of the mutation are better racing dogs than dogs that have no copy of the mutation. This mouse here on the left is known as the mighty mouse. That mouse looks like that because his myostatin genes have been removed or have been um, made dysfunctional. And, he, and that results in this really unusual muscling. So myostatin is a negative regulator of muscle mass development. So when it's not present, um, muscle is allowed um, to develop in the cell. So I considered, well, if we know know in all of these species that mutations in the myostatin gene are contributing to muscling, what about in the horse? Because we know that um, thoroughbreds have been selected for an unusual amount of uh, muscle mass. So we first asked the question, well, are there mutations in the myostatin gene in the horse? We searched the literature and nothing had been published. So we went about reading the sequence of the DNA code in the myostatin gene. And what we found was that in one particular position of the myostatin gene there could either be the letter T or there could be the letter C. So this is what we call a T-type chromosome and this is what we call a C-type chromosome. This will also be referred as the C allele. Of course, all individuals have two copies of a gene, one inherited from the mother, one inherited from their father. So if an individual inherits a C-type chromosome from their father and a T-type chromosome from their mother, then their genetic type or their genotype is known as CT. It's also CT if they get their T from their father and C from their mother. If an individual inherits a C-type chromosome from both their sire and dam, or their mother and their father, then their genotype is CC. And if they get a T-type chromosome from both parents, then their genotype is TT. So there are three possible combinations of these letters of the myostatin gene. An individual horse may be a CC horse, a CT horse or a TT horse. So we ask the question, are there any differences in the frequency of these three different types when we compare a group of elite race winners versus a group of horses that had never won a race? put this picture up here because this is a horse called Zippy Chippy. He ran in 100 races and never won a race. So we compared a set of horses that had won at the very, very top level and compared those to horses like poor old Zippy Chippy who tried his hardest but couldn't actually do the job. And what we found was that in fact there was no difference between group race winners and non-winners. Now, to somebody who didn't know about racing, this might have been a little bit disappointing, but um, we had a little trick up our sleeve. I knew that there was a difference in the physical makeup between sprinters and stayers, in the same way that human athletes, the sprinters are more muscly, they tend to be shorter, stockier, more 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 muscular than the marathon runners who tend to be taller, lean and leaner. It's exactly the same with the horse. Sprinters tend to be shorter, stockier, more muscular than the stayers that tend to be taller and leaner and take more time to mature. So. Um, Just I suppose to give a little bit of a uh, background, horses f- that compete in flat racing, so these are ho- um, races without obstacles, um, can compete in different distance type races. They can either sprint type races that are short distance races that would be competed up to about a mile. And then there are the classic middle distance races that are um, tend to be from about a mile to a mile and a half. These are the races like the guineas and the derby. And then there are longer distance races that require enhanced stamina. So there are different types of races um, within uh, flat racing. So we asked the question, among flat race horses, is there any difference in the genotype frequencies when we compare a, a large set of elite sprinters versus a set of stayers? And the answer was yes. There was a highly statistically significant association with race distance when we separated out individuals on the basis of the distance of the race that they had won, and this is a massively, massively strong statistic. So uh, high that I actually had to get so many people to check that I wasn't, that I was actually seeing um, what I was seeing and that my mind wasn't playing games with me. And this um, has held up in many different validation studies um, and through um, thousands of, of tests. What we found was that the three different genotypes were strongly associated with distance The CC horses were best suited to short distances, the CT horses to middle distances and the TT horses to long distances. The CC horses ran their best race over distances of about six furlongs, that's three quarters of a mile. The CT horses had their average best race distance of just over nine furlongs, that's um, about a mile and an eighth. And the TT horses had their best race distance of just under a mile and a half. There's a very, very big difference between a 6 furlong horse and a 12 furlong horse. So what we found is that the the majority of CC horses, 70% of the CC horses, had their best race distance over the very, very shortest of distances, the real sprint distances, 5 and 6 furlongs. And in fact, of all of the horses that we've tested to date, thousands of horses now, 98% of the CC horses win their best race over distances up to and including a mile, but no further you can see here, this is a sort of a mile cut-off point. CT horses, on the other hand, are more versatile. These are the types of horses that can perform well as two-year-olds over the shorter distances and then train on over longer distances when they're three years old as the distance opportunities arise. This is because two-year-old racehorses are limited to racing over distances of up to eight furlongs. It's only when they're three-year-olds that they're allowed to compete in longer distance races. So the CT horses are the classic distance horses that can win a guineas and a derby, a mile and a mile and a half. The TT horses are on the upper end of the distance spectrum. 80% of our TT horses have won their best race over distances of 10 furlongs and above. So it's 80% of 10 furlongs and above for the TT horses, and 70% of the CC horses are five and six furlongs. So there's a really, really big difference between them. So. Does this mean that variation in myostatin influences speed in the horse? Well, we checked this out by looking at uh, a set of quarter horses. Quarter horses, or the American Quarter Horse, is a horse that's been selected for short bursts of speed over the last 100 years. They race in quarter mile races, or two furlong races. That's why they're called Quarter Horses. The majority of these horses were CC. So we thought, right, the CC does mean speed, And the TT does mean stamina, and this was confirmed by looking at a set of Egyptian Arabians. These are the types of horses that compete in the endurance rides, 150 kilometer rides um, across the desert, and they're all TT, so this makes sense. Stamina, TT, speed, CC. We also confirmed this by looking at a set of national hunt winners in a single um, trainer's yard, and not one of them was CC. This is the speed type, remember, not one of them was a CC, winners of national hunt races. We've taken this study a little bit further um, and have um, uh, just completed this work where we found the majority of uh, horses in national hunt yards are TT, about 60% are TT, about 40% are Um, CT but what's most interesting is that if you want to um, win the Grand National or a steeplechase race that's greater than three miles then you really ought to be a TT because we didn't find any horses that had won three miles or greater that were anything but TT. So if you want to win the gold cup next week or if you want to win the Grand National at the end of the month then you should be a TT. We published our initial findings um, in January of 2010. And this is the first description of a gene contributing to a specific athletic trait in thoroughbreds that we called the speed gene. Um, the research was funded by Science Foundation Ireland and um, carried out in UCD. Um, we have uh, applied for patent protection for the intellectual property around this, and this is exclusively licensed to a campus company called Equinome, which I set up in partnership with Jim Bulger, one of Ireland's um, leading racehorse trainers, in 2009. So this information is now offered around the world to um, owners um, and breeders, racehorse owners and breeders, um, to help them to um, best make, better make decisions uh, about breeding and training of their and racing of their horses. Importantly for any scientific study, this has been validated independently by other research groups around the world, um, I've uh, pointed out here, two um, papers from Japan and one from the U.S. using independent sets of horses. So it wasn't just a fluke in our set of Irish-English horses. It was validated in um, Japan and in America. And interestingly, it's not just our company that is selling this test, but two other companies in the States. One of the... um, uh, criticisms may have been that, well, we've only looked at one gene. There are 22,000 genes in the genome. What if there's another gene that's as good at making this prediction? So, um, since we um, did the first work where we identified the gene and the association, um, a platform became available or a tool, a laboratory tool, where we can look at 54,000 of these changes in the DNA code at a single time. So instead of looking at one C to T change, we look at 54,000 of these across the entire genome and ask the question, are there any more of these changes or any other changes that are having an effect like this? And when we did this, we found, when we compared sprinters versus stairs, that there is a single peak of association on chromosome 18. So there's a single genetic region that's having an influence on um, distance in the horse. When we zoomed in on this region with our molecular magnifying glass, we found that it sat right on top of our myostatin gene. Not only that, when we compared our genetic marker to all of the other markers that were available, our marker performed considerably better in its predictive power. So what we found is that this T to C variant has a singular genomic influence on race distance. It has a massive and singular influence on how a horse is going to um, perform in terms of its distance. So this was either a huge fluke or there might have been a little bit of skill involved but I think we were very lucky. It was like looking for a needle in a haystack. There are three billion of these letters and we found the one. Um, What's remarkable about this is that since our initial findings, all of the research that we have done continues to support and make our findings even stronger. Rather than picking holes in it, we find that it's even stronger. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about some of the additional research that we've done that helps us to interpret what it is exactly that the speed gene is doing in the muscle cell of the horse and how this information can be applied in practice um, within the industry. Decisions are made about a horse at all different stages of the life cycle from foals, um, and young stock, um, racehorses. Stallions, if, they're, if, if an individual performs well enough on the racetrack, he will then um, uh, join the breeding herd as a stallion, um, and then as mares. And decisions about how these horses are bred, selected and trained are made every single day. So this information now has practical applications in making selection decisions for young horses. For horses in training, to reduce operating costs, and to train and race individuals for what they're genetically made to do, and therefore give them the best opportunity to perform well on the race course. Breeders around the world are using this to optimize their uh, their breeding um, strategies in order to select stallions that best suit the individual mare to more consistently produce the type of racehorse that they want, whether they want to produce sprinters or if they want to produce middle distance horses or if they want to produce stayers. And um, now some of the best stallions in the world are being advertised with their genetic type to try to promote mares or try to promote the horses to attract the most suitable mares to those individual stallions. So for young stock and um, for foals and yearlings, well some people might say, well you can figure this out from the pedigree. And people have been doing it for years trying to figure it out from the pedigree um, and by looking at the individual. Well, I'm going to show you now that you can't actually figure it out from the pedigree because two individuals with exactly the same pedigree page can be very different genetically. Imagine you have a CT mare and you have a take her to a CT stallion. All of the foals will be full siblings. They'll all have exactly the same pedigree page. On their pedigree page, their mother will be there, their father will be there. But if you think about Mendel's Peas, I always call this Mendel's Peas in real life, all three different types can be produced. So here you have full siblings, one that can be a sprinter, and another one that can be a stair, and definitely won't be a sprinter. So, you can't tell this from the pedigree page. Can you tell it by looking at a horse? Most horses, the observation is made when they're foals and when they're yearlings, that's when sales decisions are made about whether an individual is going to be bought or not. We did a study where we looked at uh, 97 yearlings that were raised and trained in the same uh, training facility in Japan and we measured their heights and their weights and what we found was that the CC horses have 7% more muscle mass than TT horses. But this doesn't become statistically apparent until they enter training. Back here when they're yearlings, and even before, if you imagine extrapolating that chart back over here when they're foals, you can't take a measuring stick and weigh the horses and make an accurate prediction about their growth trajectory without doing the genetic test. So you can't tell this from um, physical or uh, visualization of the horse. The question is, how is this exercise stimulus, how is exercise training having this effect or influencing muscle development? Well, we can understand a little bit about this by looking at the activity of the genes or looking at which genes are switched on after a period of exercise. So, I'm just going to show you um, a video of how we can collect some muscle tissue from a horse after it's exercised take that tissue to the lab and ask which genes are active, which genes are being used in that muscle during exercise. This is my colleague, Lisa Katz, who's a um, a vet colleague who uh, works very closely in my research program. And she's taking a muscle biopsy from this horse that's just had um, exercised on this Uh, treadmill, you can see the steam, the heat coming from the horse, you can see it's blowing. And this muscle biopsy, essentially what we're going to do is we're going to freeze that information in time. We're taking a snapshot of the activity of the genes in that muscle at that particular time point. The other person there is um, Beatrice McGivney who was a PhD student of mine at the time and is now uh, still working in our uh, research group. So what we do is that we take this muscle tissue. He's had enough. We take this muscle tissue and we ask which genes are switched on and which genes are switched off. So before exercise, a gene, this is just a hypothetical hypothetical example, a gene may be switched off, but after a horse is exercised, the activity of that gene will have been stimulated by the exercise, and we can measure this in the lab. So this particular gene has increased sevenfold in its activity as as a result of this exercise stimulus. So we did a study where we took muscle biopsies from 60 yearling horses that had never had a saddle on their back, they'd never been trained. And we trained these horses and took muscle biopsies from them 10 months later and asked the question, what are the genes that are changing between um, the untrained state and the trained state? And when we did this, to our absolute astonishment, the gene that changed the most in the entire set of genes that were expressed in the muscle was the myostatin gene. It had the greatest change. When we looked at how uh, this activity changed um, when we separated the horses into CC, CT and TT horses, we found the biggest difference was in CC horses. Now remember I said that myostatin is a negative regulator of muscle mass. Essentially it acts as a brake. So the more there is, the harder the brake is on. When that protein is removed, the brake is removed, and the muscle develops. So what we're seeing here is a massive removal of the brake, a very rapid removal of the brake, and therefore the muscle can develop the way that it does. But there's something else going on here. We were really puzzled. Why was it that CC horses had more myostatin than TT horses? Because we would have thought it was the other way around. In fact, we did think it was the other way around, because CC horses have more muscle. We have, um, since we think um, we've solved this um, uh, dilemma, or this question, um, a paper was published just in January of this year um, uh, by a group uh, in uh, the University of Minnesota in the States. I was part of this um, research. But what we did was that we looked for regions of the genome in a large number of breeds that had. Um, signatures of being, uh, having undergone selection by humans for certain traits. Now the quarter horse, remember I said, has been strongly selected for speed during the last 100 years. And what we found when we did this study was that the region of the genome that had been most strongly selected by humans was this region um, where myostatin lies in the quarter horse. So of all regions of the genome, of all genes in the genome, in all breeds of horse, The gene that has been most strongly selected by humans is the gene for speed in the the quarter horse. They took this a little bit further and asked, what's going on here? And what they found was that this gene or the variant of this gene, the C allele, is having a significant influence on the distribution or the differentiation of the muscle fibre types. CC horses have 9.5% more type 2B muscle fibres than TT horses. These type 2 B B fibers are the fast glycolytic fibers. These are fast-twitch fibers that are required for short, sharp bursts of speed. They're the sprinting muscle fiber types. And the CC horses, the sprinters, have significantly more of these sprint fiber types than the TT horses. So we think this might solve our question of why is there more myostatin in the CC horses? Well, it's because it's telling the cell to make more of these sprinting fiber types. So we know that myostatin influences um, muscle hypertrophy, CC horses have 7% more muscle mass than TTs, it also influences muscle fiber differentiation. We also now know that by looking at a pedigree and looking at the individual, we can't infer this information. You must do the genetic test to know exactly what the genetic makeup of the individual is. People are also using this to make informed uh, training decisions and to um, adjust the racing schedule for an individual horse. Um, one of the questions was to us: "Was well, d- does this really equate to speed?" Well, working in collaboration with um, Dr. Katz, we have instrumented um, a number of horses with a heart rate monitor, um, and um, jockeys wore a, um, a GPS monitor, and we looked at how these horses were performing on the gallops um, in a workday or under a sprint test. So we tested um, over 80 horses and also tested their genetics. So this is a uh, um, diagram of um, the gallop where the horses come down to the bottom of the gallop. They trot, canter and then gallop up the hill. And here's the horse galloping up the hill. And we're measuring the speeds that they're going and we're measuring um, the heart rate of the horse. So here's the gallop here and the blue line is the speed or the velocity otherwise uh, V and this is the region that we're or the area that we're most interested in this is the V max zone or the maximal velocity zone where they're doing their fastest bit of work and what we did is we asked the question is there a relationship between the genotype and how fast these horses are going during in, in this V max zone and what we found was that there was a significant relationship between the genetic type and all of the speed variables that we measured. In particular, CC horses um, ran 3.8 meters further during the six seconds before and after Vmax than TT horses. This equates to about one and a half lengths. Now in a race, that makes a difference. We're very lucky to um, work with one of the um, top trainers uh, in the country, Jim Bolger, who has trained world champions and bred world champions. Um, and So we have access to all of these um, world champion horses for our um, research. We asked the question then, if this gene is having an influence on speed at home in training, is it actually translating to the racetrack? Well, we looked at a set of two-year-old horses that were in training with this trainer during 2007 and 2008 and asked, is the genetic type having an influence on um, how these horses perform? And what we found was that the TT horses uh, were earning far less than the CC and the CT horses, and in fact, they were earning up to 20 times less than the CT or the CC horses, as two-year-olds, because remember, two-year-old races are limited to races of eight furlongs. The TT horses prefer longer distance races, those races aren't available to them at two years old. They don't have those sprint fiber types and also they're not as muscular, they're not as mature in their musculature as the CC horses and this translates directly into how they perform as two year olds. So people are now reconsidering how they train and race their two year old TT horses as a result of this. Readers can you also use this information to mix and match their matings to more consistently produce the desired type for their mare. So if they have a CC mare and they only want to produce sprinters 100% of the time, then they ought to make sure that they're only sending her to a CC stallion. If you want to avoid producing these TT types, then stick to this end of the quadrant. Now some people want it the other way around. They don't want these sprinters because they can't win a guineas or a derby. They want to have these longer distance types. So they'll look to that end of the spectrum. Now, one particular breeder decided that he would have a greater return on his investment if he was to produce fewer of these TT types. And using this information, you can see here this uh, dark um, uh, bar at the proportion of CC types, the blue are the CT types, and this tan uh, bar are the TT types. This is the proportion in his full crop before he used the genetic information to inform his breeding decisions. Then in 2010 he started using this information and within a single breeding season he reduced his TT proportions from 16.5% to 5%. And he's absolutely delighted this year because he only has three TT horses and not one of them is a colt. I mentioned earlier on as well that um, stallions, this can be useful for stallions. Uh, we have a number of the best stallions in Australia that are now being advertised with their genetic type and promoted on the basis of their genetic type. This horse called Stratum who stands at a stud called Widden Stud um, in Australia. And this means now that broodmare owners can have a look for these stallions and figure out, oh, well, okay, this stallion meets my requirements. Um, and they're more likely then to use the horse that meets their requirements. <laughs> so we know now that there is a gene for speed um, in the horse, we know what it does and we know how it can be applied. But I was really curious as to where it came from and how long had it been in the population? Which of these ancestral horses might have brought it in? Do you remember I said that there were a lot of imports from the Middle East of Barbs, Turks, and Arab stallions. Surely one of these stallions must have brought the speed into the thoroughbred. So um, we asked uh, this question, where did the speed gene come from? By surveying a very large number of horses, almost 600 horses from 22 different breeds, 330 elite thoroughbreds, um, 12 historically important thoroughbreds, and I'll talk to you about that in a minute, 40 donkeys and two zebras. The reason for looking at the donkeys and the zebras was to try to figure out which came first. Did the T come first? Has that always been there in the horse population or was it the C? Well, all of the donkeys and both zebra samples were TT. So this means that the T type chromosome or the T allele is ancestral. That was there first. The C type, the speed, is a derived type in the horse. Next, to find out where this, which population or what type of horse this, um, the, the C allele may have come from, we surveyed a large number of breeds on the basis that you're more likely to sample an allele from, uh, in, in, a, in a foundation event, from a population where that allele is very common. So we were looking in populations to see how, which population had the highest frequency of the C-type chromosome, and we were really, really amazed. It was the Shetland pony. Of all of the breeds that we looked at, and we purposefully looked at horses that represented Turk, Arab, and Barb horses, the frequency was very, very, very low. Now, we found it in one Shetland population that was collected in Scotland, and I thought, that can't be right. So we asked somebody for another set of Shetland pony samples that actually were in Sweden, And we found that it was exactly the same. So it wasn't just a fluke of that particular population. Now, what we're not saying that the speed gene originated in the Shetland pony, but the Shetland pony represents the ancestral British and Irish native breeds. And would have been very similar to the types, the local running horses, that would have been bred to these imported stallions. the speed or the sea allele most likely came from a native British or Irish population. And you remember, I showed you this picture in the beginning the woolly little Shetland and Connemara pony, or something like that. The hobby horse was the ancestor to the Connemara pony, and the hobby horse was uh, known to be a great racing horse. So it could have originated in one of these um, populations. We also found, and this is not to, to uh, blind you with science, I suppose, but just to say that the C chromosome was found on a very, very simple genetic background. There were no other differences. But the T allele was found on many, many, many different genetic backgrounds. And this tells us that the C allele or the C-type chromosome only came into the thoroughbred once. But the T allele came from many different ancestors because it had lots of other different differences um, in it. So the C allele came in once from a British population. Now, we thought, okay, which British population could it have been, and what about these ancestral um, stallions? Did they not um, bring it in? So we took samples, DNA samples, from the skeletal remains of 12 historic horses. Now, the reason that their remains exist is because they were so important. Um, That's why they've been kept as museum specimens, and even in private collections. So we extracted DNA, and this was in collaboration with um, a a researcher in Cambridge, Um, and we um, took DNA from the teeth and um, from the bones and asked the question, what is their genetic type? Remember I mentioned Eclipse, one of the most famous racehorses of all times? Um, This is his skeleton in the Royal Vet College in London, um, and uh, his DNA was taken for analysis. This is uh, one of the um, top stallions of the early 1900s and um, a DNA sample was taken from one of his teeth. And you can see here now he's one tooth less because that was taken for a DNA analysis. All of these horses were TT. So where's the speed coming from? We were a little bit amazed by this because we would have thought that these stallions were bringing the speed in. Um, but this makes sense because racing up until relatively recently was long-distance racing, even flat racing. These horses, Eclipse, was c- he was competing in multiple races over four miles at the time, sometimes many races in a day. So the TT type really matches with that. So this suggests then that speed came from a mare. And it was likely that this mare was a British native mare and that the sea allele came in just once. So, we've solved this question, where did the speed gene come from? It came from a British native mare. So, our scientific research has shown that the speed gene was introduced once into the thoroughbred population from a British mare, that it contributes to the body composition of young horses, it increases muscle fiber types, the sprint type fiber types, It has a significant influence on speed, and this is translated into um, performance on the racetrack, particularly performance on the racetrack for two-year-old horses where distances are limited. But um, most importantly, the strongest association is with optimum racing distance, that you can now um, select a horse on the basis of their genetic type for the type of race um, that it's best suited to. That's in uh, horses. In humans, the gene has been shown Um, to have uh, huge importance and is um, being considered as um, a therapeutic target for muscle-wasting diseases as well as a therapeutic target for the prevention of obesity because it's central control in how the muscle responds to exercise. And, of course, there's a very strong link between exercise, obesity, and other metabolic disorders. So, this seems to be a really, really key and important gene um, in, uh, in muscle function. What's key and important to my functioning is the people that I uh, work with, Um, and I'd like to particularly thank uh, all of um, the people that I work with in my research group, many of them are here today, Um, this absolutely is not a one-man band, it's a a massive team effort. Um, So, thank you to all of them, and we would not be able to do this work without the cooperation of people within the industry, and particularly the guys who work at Jim Bulger's Yard, who work so hard to facilitate us uh, in our research. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much for a fascinating discourse. Uh, It is now my pleasure to call on Professor Dan Bradley to
2: respond on behalf of the Academy. Thank you very much. Um, It's a real pleasure to respond to uh, Emmy Hill's talk. Uh, not least because I share something with King's Hospital School, in that I helped to educate Emmy. Emmy did her uh, undergraduate degree in genetics in Trinity and was my PhD student for a few years. Um, and uh, I should add, of course, that we were both mentored by by Patrick Cunningham, who um, has a who really did some seminal work in horse genetics in Ireland um, back in the 80s. I might be wrong, but I think Paddy's work was perhaps the first. Irish scientific work to be put on the front cover of Nature. I'm not sure, but certainly one of the first. Mm-hmm. So, um, so how do I respond to Emmy's talk? Mm. Uh, um, firstly, I recall when Emmy was working in the lab first on on human genetics, and then um, later when she was working more closely with Paddy on horse genetics. Uh, it was quite challenging to do horse genetic work, and one of the problems was. Um, Interaction with the industry, and uh, uh, it's a particular industry. Uh, the the animal breeding industry in cattle, for example, has embraced scientific methods, of, for for many many decades, and that has had huge impact on the world as we know it. Um, you know, milk yield doubled in something like 20 years. So feeding the world, uh, the feeding of the world largely. Owes, owes itself largely, in part, to scientific animal breeding as well as scientific plant breeding, but um, uh, something about the thoroughbred industry just hadn't latched on to, the, to, to scientific breeding at least uh, as early as that. And um, Emmy comes from a distinguished um, equine-associated uh, family. Her, her grandmother was Charmaine Hill, who uh, who trained a Cheltenham Gold Cup winner in 1986. And I have to make a correction, apparently Emmy was introduced in um, (laughs) an RT this morning as being the daughter of Charmaine Hill. (laughs) She's not, she's the granddaughter of of Charmaine Hill. And uh, it it certainly occurred to both of us that if anybody was going to interact with the industry and uh, eventually be allowed to stick a needle into the the hindquarters of an expensive animal and (laughs) extract a piece of muscle biopsy, it was going to be Emmy. And it it certainly wasn't going to be me. So... uh, that's worked out, and it has been a tremendous success, which is, which is great. So um, uh, scientifically, how, how, what's, what's my impression? Well, the, something like performance in racehorses is it's what we call a quantitative trait in genetics. So most people, when they think about genetics, they think about Mendelian traits. They think about either-or traits, things like eye color, which is either blue or brown, or um, hair colour, which is red, or not red. Um, and, and these are Mendelian traits. They're traits that are inherited in a somewhat simple way, uh, an either-or, yes-or-no fashion. But quantitative traits are different. They're traits that are much harder to pin down. They're very hard to pin down, in fact. And uh, they're a gradation, that you're not fast or slow. You're fast, intermediate, a little bit more than intermediate, a little bit less than intermediate, You know you're part of a spectrum and uh, broadly speaking in genetics finding the actual drilling down to the molecular level and finding what the variants are that affect um, these quantitative traits are very difficult and they depend on how genetic a, a particular trait is and performance in racehorses is not a particularly genetic trait. It has heritability, which is an estimate of how much genetics influences a trait of something like maybe 30%, maybe 40%. It's measured in different ways. And a lot of quantitative traits are like that. It isn't just the genetics. It's the environment. It's the chance. It's the the accidents of development, the training in the case of horses that are involved as well. So to actually find and drill down and find a molecular variant is quite rare, so it's it's, it's an achievement to do that for such a difficult trait, and uh, to have done it so so early in in the game. Um, uh, another thing I was thinking of, I thought, well, what about humans? You know, um, is is there likely to be a a major gene that's segregating in humans that um, uh, that might be measured? Um you certainly wouldn't want to breed humans, that's not what any sane person wants to do. I think Frederick the Great of Prussia tried to breed humans at one stage because they wanted taller guardsmen, but that's a different age and certainly it's not a it's not an ethically acceptable activity and not one we would aspire to, but you could imagine that it would be a focus of certain countries' programmes for choosing elite athletes if you could find a gene or a set of genes like that. So is that possible? It's certainly possible. Um, people have, just in the last year or two, found uh, a particular genetic variant that is uh, an adaptation to high altitude in humans. They found it in Tibetans, and they didn't find it in, in non-people of similar descent who didn't live at altitude. So that is possible. Uh, is my What's my hunch? My hunch is it's probably not there. Um, with With horses, you have a particular history where there has been a, a particular selection for for racing performance. So that hasn't been the case in humans. But um, it, it's not to say it certainly won't be found. My hunch is it won't. Um, so horses like humans undergo genetic testing now, thanks to EMI. And uh, <coughs> you can get yourself tested in various ways in humans by certain companies uh, that uh, We'll charge you some money, and we'll give you a readout of your, your genetic, uh, of the genetic variants that affect certain quantitative traits, traits like speed. Um, I guess what I would say I'd, I would um, part with is that uh, a colleague I have in London has called this sort of stuff uh, "interpretive genetics." And it's a bit like interpretive dance in, that, in the way that interpretive dance won't pay your television license. Uh, interpretive genetics isn't going to do you much good either. It's, uh, you, you find that because these are traits, because in humans it's very rare that you're going to find a gene that has the impact of the gene that Emmy has described. Um, what you're going to find is that you, know, you have a, a, a locus or a variant that makes you slightly more susceptible to diabetes or slightly less susceptible, slightly more susceptible to heart disease, in the most part all they're going to do is make you worried or and, uh, and not do your health any good. So um, I congratulate Emmy on a, a tremendous talk and a tremendous story with a, a beginning, a middle and an end, which is unusual in science. <laughs> so it's great, great to have that integration in the story, so well done. Thank you very much. Tim.